Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back. Today we are diving into Power Couple Secrets. This is a series that I'm running and uh, not exactly sure how many episodes I'm going to do, but this is something that is really pulling on my heart right now to talk about. Everybody I talk to, you know, loves this idea of being a power couple, wants to be a powerful couple together. So when I use this term power couple, I'm talking about really coming together from a very powerful place and being able to co-create powerful things together and work together for something greater than just the relationship. So talked a little bit about that in the last episode, but today I want to dive into two things. I want to really dive into another complex I'm seeing, another pattern I'm seeing in relationships, and something that power couples have definitely ditched, let go of, healed. If it showed up in their life, they have dumped this pattern, this behavior. They have reconciled it. They have seen it within themselves. And I have gone through this death and rebirth with this complex myself. So I'm very familiar with this one. Today, we're going to talk about ditching. Power couples ditched the savior complexes a long time ago. Maybe they never had them. I did. And I could tell you, like, I am very familiar with this one. So power couples show up from a place of personal responsibility, responsibility, right? Radical ownership, personal responsibility. And we are not here to be each other's savior, right? We're here to bring all of who we are to the relationships. We're here to bring the best of who we are, what we have, our gifts, our abilities, our skills, our talents, our divine God-given uniqueness, right? Which makes us unique, our differences that are juicy, that create polarity and passion. Like it's those things, those quirks that are different about us, that attract us to each other, right? That's what creates that fire, that zest, that chemistry. Can you just imagine? If we were all just the same, (laughs) it would be nice in the beginning if, yeah, like we get along on everything. We just agree about everything. We think the same about everything. And yet it would be incredibly, incredibly boring, right? It just, it would be so boring. So it's our differences that make us attracted to each other. So the ability to come together and fully appreciate each other, to be curious, to understand each other more. The fact that we bring something to the table that I don't have, you bring something that I don't have and it amplifies who I am, right? And it edifies. And so it's this beautiful dance that we come into. But that being said, a man or woman who is showing up to a relationship as a contributor, as a collaborator, as a a co-creator, right? 
a man or woman who is bringing that king or queen identity essence to the relationship is not one who is showing up to fix the other person. They are not someone who's coming in to save the day, to control, micromanage every detail of the other person's life or how the other person runs their business, runs their life, runs their health. They are not there to manage each other, right? They're not there to manage each other. They're there to lead together, right? And there's times where we do this kind of like flow leadership, right? Where sometimes he leads, sometimes she leads, and we co-lead together, but we're not there competing for a leadership position. They're not there for a project, right? To fix. (laughs) Oh, I know that one. Or they're not there in the relationship to find their meaning, to define who they are, to validate themselves and to go, okay, yeah, this is the relationship. This is where I get my purpose from by being in this relationship. No, no, no. I am here to bring all of me, all of the goodness that God poured into me, right? All of my strengths, my weaknesses, my gifts, my abilities, the things that make me unique, right? The the things that you don't have that I have that I can bring to the table, right? And we bring and we build each other up. We talked about that in the last episode, building and amplifying and edifying each other. We're here to be multipliers of each other, not to be like construction zones, (laughs) Um, so I want to talk about this savior complex for a second, because I think like this is one of the main things I've seen get in the way when I've worked, you know, in my own life, this was a massive, massive mountain for me to, to deal, like to really get radically honest about myself, like how I was showing up, why I kept repeating these same patterns of a attracting people that were projects that I needed to constantly fix and be their savior and be the source of everything for them, why I constantly felt like a failure, and how to really reconcile that relationship ultimately within myself so that I attracted and created and built a completely new relationship dynamic that I'm in today, which is this powerful, beautiful place of co-creation. So what gets in the way? So you know, I talked in a previous episode about victim consciousness, right? The the victim aggressor games that we play sometimes in relationships. And here's another one we play, the savior <laughs> game that we play in relationships, right? The damsel in the stress or the, the poor person that can't find their way and doesn't know who they are. And I'll come in and save the day. And we play these age-old fairy tales with each other, but they're distorted <laughs> and they're energetically draining. And they're not actually adding to our lives. So to be honest, this is something I still have to check in with myself, right? Because it's very easy for me when I get tired, when I get overwhelmed, when I take things on, when I'm trying to rush God's timing or things in my life, or I'm just out of balance, disconnected from the spirit, haven't been meditating, praying, you know, taking care and honoring myself and honoring God in my life. I can easily, easily get back into this place, right? And so I constantly have to check myself, from time to time when I'm starting to get resentful and bitter and exhausted and I start complaining and grumbling about the other people in my life, I get to go, ooh, what's going on here? Am I playing the savior? Am I pulling the savior card again, right? So a little bit of a personal reflection here. I got to be honest, like 
men became projects for me, right? I think you guys have known my story. I grew up with a father who was an alcoholic, right? Um, I saw a man who desperately, desperately had so much, like wanted to be loved, wanted to have intimacy in his life. He had so many amazing gifts and he was never able to overcome his inner demons, right? He was never able to come to that place of inner reconciliation. I still pray for him. But a lot of my fuel earlier in life was fueled from trying to save my father, right? And even the work I do today is not here to save men and women, but it's to inspire you to remember who you are, to see what's possible in your life, and to allow you to do the work within yourself to save, right? Through God, through the inner work that you do to, you know, come to a place that is life-giving. But going back, like I was trying to save my daddy as a little girl, right? I was constantly like trying to, you know, perform for him and be beautiful for him and then talk him into things. And, you know, I, and even in my teens and my twenties, I was constantly trying to save him from harming himself or something bad, terrible happening from him killing himself. And so what happened is I developed a pattern early on in my life of just attracting projects, right? I kept attracting There's beauty in this gift, okay, guys? There's beauty in this gift. But I kept attracting people who were very vulnerable, weak in my eyes, needing a savior, needing direction, who couldn't really think for themselves, weren't in their personal power, weren't in a sense of responsibility. And I, I, I went in, right? I attempted to be their coach. I'm like, yeah, coach them. I see their potential. I see who he can be. He's not there yet, but along with me, you know, we'll get there. And I made it my mission to be their coach, to be their mentor, to be their spiritual guru, right? And it's like, oh, I'll show them the light. I'll show them the way. I'll show them, right? I'll be the one that will light up their world. And I'll be the one that will, you know, show them another way of living and being. And again, I want to say there is this beautiful gift in that. And there is this beautiful balance, but it's who gets the credit and who is the source, the true source, right? Mm -hmm. We can be vessels, we can be channels, we can be vehicles. But if we become the source, it's a very dangerous, slippery slope and a dangerous game. So what happened? (laughs) What was the result of all of this trying to save people, attempting to save one after the other? Um, This is a pattern in my relationships, but it also went into my parenting a lot. It infiltrated into my parenting. So here's what happened. The more I tried to coach them, the more I tried to, you know, show them what was possible, the more critical I became right? The more judgment there came into our relationship, it only created more resentment. I was resentful. I was full of resentment because they weren't appreciating all that I was doing. They weren't seeing everything that was possible. They weren't taking action. And I was like, what is going on? So I just became filled with resentment. They were resentful as well, (laughs) right? that I didn't see them and accept them for who they are. We became bitter. Bitterness infiltrated our relationships. And literally, they became shut down, and I became energetically depleted, exhausted, right? And yes, the energetic depletion happens on both sides, but this is kind of what happens when we just feel like, I got nothing left to give. Like, I'm pouring everything into this relationship, and they just suck the life right out of me. And meanwhile, on the other side, they're just shutting down and pushing away, 
So when I tried to be the coach, the mentor, the fixer, right, this has created a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness, a lot, a lot of judgment on both sides, me judging myself, feeling like a complete failure. And I got to be honest, I was constantly judging them. What's wrong with them? Why aren't they catching up? Can't they see like what is going on, right? And the judgment is on both sides, okay? The other pattern I fell into is over-mothering, right? Like trying to control everything in their life being the overbearing mother. And ladies, this is a big no-no. And men, you do this as well. You become the overbearing father, that overbearing father figure in your lover, right? And so now all of a sudden, you're the one telling them what to do, how they should do it. You should do it this way. Why are you doing it that way? And we're questioning the other person's process all the time. And we're trying to be the source instead of allowing them to find their own way. Who talk about putting out the fire of passion and watering out like just any kind of fire, chemistry, passion, polarity, sexual, sensual attraction that was going on. When you start mothering and fathering someone in a love relationship, you can guarantee that that is going to mess up your intimate life in a massive way. You know, it might be fun in the beginning. Somebody feels really taken care of, really nourished for a very short time until that overdrive and that dysfunctional balance creates a lot of unease in the relationship. It's a distorted view of sexual intimacy. The more I did, the less they showed up. (laughs) The more I put in, the less they put in. And I was like, what on earth is going on, right? I saw this also pattern show up in my parenting early on. Luckily, I nipped it in my parenting sooner than later. But I see this a lot with men and women, especially women in parenting, and a lot with men in relationships are people that are in their hyper-masculine, right? Luckily, I did not do it too long with the kids, and I have become (laughs) quite unpopular in some of my parenting circles, some parenting circles, because I got to the place with the kids where I was like, you know what? I am here to empower them, to let them find their own strength, to have them tune in and see what their own potential is. And the more I meddle, the more I interfere, the more I do everything for them, the less confidence they will have. I feel so fortunate in this sense that, you know, my, when I grew up, you know, I had a lot of freedom to, you know, struggle and wrestle with things and play and adventure and go out and see what I was capable of. And so we need those quote unquote battles to go through and a safety net, yeah, to catch us if we're truly in danger. But are we giving people permission, you know, to, to, to go through their own struggles, to, you know, climb their own mountain and slip and fall a little bit and feel tired and have to dig deep and, you know, really find their strength? Or are we running in at the first sign of perceived, perceived weakness and trying to be their strength for them, right? It's, it's, it's a fine line and it requires a lot of discernment, but you know the pattern if someone is always calling you to fix their problem, because I'll tell you this, if you are the answer, and I realize this, if I am the answer to all of your problems, if you have to run to me all of the time to find the answer, to find the solution for me to send you money, to you know order the things, to fix the problem, to get the resources, I'm going to soon become the reason for all of your problems. I'm going to say that again. If you are the answer to all of your partner's problems, 
right? You are their be all and end all. You can find solutions to everything. They've got you up on a pedestal. You will also soon become the reason for all of their problems because the minute you don't deliver exactly what they want, exactly how they want it, or you're unable to show up because you just don't have the capacity, the bandwidth, you may not have the resources right now, right? Or you just have had enough and you put your foot down and you say, honey, it's time for you to step up. They're going to start casting blame and throwing fiery darts at you, spewing anger like you've never seen. And you're going to go, what on earth is going on? (laughs) Where is this attitude coming from? Who is this person? Have you not seen everything I've done for you? And the answer is no, right? So we get to be careful because if you want to be a savior, you also get to be willing to be crucified because a savior gets crucified, right? They sacrifice themselves completely for someone else. And you know, you know what I believe? I believe that we have one savior (laughs) who came so that we would have eternal life and eternal freedom. And the story goes, he was crucified for us so that we could have ultimate freedom. But if you want to be a savior, you better be willing and ready to lay your life down and lay down everything for that other person, because that is what it's going to require. And um, I do not believe that is our divine design. We have a savior, right? That is up to us to do our inner work between our soul and God and to come to relationships together to support each other. So what is the savior complex? Let's unpack it a little bit. I want to unpack what it is. I want to talk about some signs that maybe you might be playing the savior and how do we break free from it? Like, why do we do it? And how do we break free from that and begin to shift the dynamic of the relationships. So number one, the savior complex is also known as the Messiah complex or the white knight, the knight in shining armor. And ultimately this is a, an you know identity that is rooted in or a sense of being, a sense of being is an identity that occurs when I feel responsible for saving others. It is my duty, it's my responsibility to make sure that I save everyone else no matter what the cost is to me right? The white knight, the knight in shining armor comes. He'll he'll go through everything to save the princess or whatever. And it occurs when individuals feel good about themselves when helping someone and they believe their job or purpose is to help those around them and sacrifice, sacrifice their interests and sacrifice their, you know, everything about themselves in the efforts to aid another. So while, again, I'm going to say there's a lot of paradoxes here, right? While we are called to serve and yes, sacrifice for each other at times, there comes a tipping point when we are doing it from a dysfunctional place, not truly from a place of love, but a place of trying to create control in our own life, right? Needing to feel validated, needing to feel worthy, to feel like we have a sense of purpose. And it comes from a place that is empty instead of a place that is full. So really want to check in on that. Signs that we are playing the Savior. What are some signs? How do we know? Well, I'm just going to share like a few of them. Maybe there's seven or eight here that I'm going to throw out. There are so many. But number one, I want to say we tend to attract, we tend to attract, quote, the broken, hurting little puppies, right? And I'm I'm saying in this the most loving way, but we attract the vulnerable ones, right? The ones who desperately are needing help, the ones who don't know who they are, they're lost. I've already mentioned that, but they're just, you know, they're asking for help. They're needing fixing and saving. And by the way, tune into this. 
They have a pattern of it in their life. When you meet them, I did this for years, you guys. I did this for years. Their story would always be, well, my dad and then my husband and then my boyfriend and then my son and then my brother and my boss. And the story is always the same, right? That they're on the, you know, on the receiving end of being powerless, basically. Or maybe it's always she, right? She always did this. And it was always external circumstances and external people that caused them to be in this hopeless, desperate place where they just can never get themselves out of. And you're like, ah, I can come in and I can show you the way out. I know, right? And again, it's a fine line because obviously the work that I do as a coach, as a mentor, is to allow people to show people the way. But it is a journey of walking side by side. It's a journey of holding a mirror up so that they can discover who they are in the process. Truly, you know, being a guide and a reflection, not doing the work for them. Number one, we attract people who desperately need to be helped or fixed or saved, and they have a pattern of that in their life. You got to start to listen. What is the pattern? Number two, you always want to fix or solve the problems. When a problem presents itself, you're like, boom, jump into fix-it mode immediately, right? And there is this pressure, this internal pressure that builds up when you are in a space where you hear that there is a what is a perceived problem again cuz oftentimes we may be talking about things that are just going on and we're jumping right into fix it mode right man i can relate to this one and i see it a lot in couples i see men really jumping into this but women again who are, tend to be in their hyper masculine who need to fix 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 or control the situation you know, we'll go in to fix it and we won't seek first to understand. We won't seek first to get curious, to learn more about what's going on beyond the surface. We just want to fix the surface level problem, take the heat off, right? And reestablish a sense of order and calm. So you always have this pressure to solve and fix problems. This is a big, big complaint I hear in relationships where women will say, I just wanted to talk about what was going on. I didn't ask him to fix my problem. And then women get resentful. And again, I'm generalizing massively. Okay. It's not always women. It's not always men, but one person gets resentful because they're like, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. I just need to process this. I just need to talk this out. And you're jumping all over me right now telling me what to do, how to do it. And you don't, you're not even hearing what I'm saying. Okay. Number three, and that ties into number three is there is a signs that we're playing the savior is we are extremely uncomfortable with other people's emotions, struggling, sadness, anger. If somebody around us is upset or somebody is struggling right? Like the kid is struggling to tie their shoe. The teenager is struggling in their sport and you can see your son or daughter out on the field and, and you just like want to jump in there and coach them and tell them what to do. You're like that. Don't be that parent on the sideline, right? That's like screaming and coaching when there is already a coach there. We don't trust. You don't trust other people, other professionals to do their job, right? So this is three and four. So this inability to see or accept other people struggling in their process and just relax and let them just be there, holding space, accepting, loving them where they're at, instead of having to jump in and make that emotion wrong. See, we don't realize what we do in that moment 
when a person expresses sadness or guilt or fear or whatever, we make that emotion wrong instead of holding the space and allowing the other person to come up with their own answers, right? We can ask powerful questions. This is an opportunity to ask powerful questions, but a lot of people I work with, again, I coach a lot of my clients do this, is instead of telling the other person what to do with their emotion or why are they feeling questioning the emotion, we can begin to move into a space of asking powerful questions and honoring the emotion and the person and validating their feelings because feelings are real while also not having to be responsible for their feelings, right? We're responsible to each other for how we show up, but we're not responsible for each other's feelings. So number three, inability to accept emotions, can't handle other people struggling around us, right? We got to jump in there and you know what this is about. Come on, this is about you not holding space for your own stuff that's going on, your own discomfort. Number four, you think you're the only one who can help. You think that you are the expert on all things. You are the know-it-all. You've been there, you've done that, you've read the books, and maybe you have, right? Oh, I struggle with this one. I got to be honest. I'm just going to call myself out right here. I have read a ton of books. (laughs) and, And sometimes I think I'm the expert on everything, right? I've had so many life experiences and I have, you know, and it's, I can relate. I can honestly relate to so many things. So I come to it sometimes from this place of like, yes, I've had that experience. And I also get to recognize that there are a lot of other people and resources and things available to help people through their process, right? So a sign that you are shifting into that savior complex is you're not trusting. You are not trusting other people, other resources to show up for that person. It could be something as simple as you keep giving them money, 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 if they're struggling financially, or they keep coming and they want to do something in their business and you just keep giving them handouts instead of a hand up. I'm going to come back to that later. Right? Because we think, well, I have I'm the only one that has I am the source. I am the source of the experience. I am the source of the knowledge. I am the source of the money. I'm the source. Do you get the pattern here? We are God. We are creating a God. <laughs> um, we're putting ourselves up on a pedestal and we are creating gods of ourselves. Number five, you constantly feel like a failure, right? signs that we are playing the savior is I constantly feel like I am not measuring up. I'm not living up, right? Like I should be doing more. I got to be doing more, right? And it's so easy because again, what I said earlier is if we are the answer to everyone's problem, pretty soon we're going to be blamed for all of their problems, right? Because that person has never been taught to take personal accountability, personal responsibility, to take ownership and say, you know what, this is where I'm not stepping up, carrying my own weight. This is where I'm not showing up to the relationship. If we keep doing it all, we're of course going to fall short. We are human. And this is a huge conversation I have, you know, and I I really had to go through this in my own journey of initiation and reconciliation was to realize, you know what, Woman, you are not God. You are not a goddess. You are this beautiful human being that God created. You are a woman. You are a human. And you will make mistakes, my love. And it has allowed me the eyes of compassion and the heart of compassion for my husband to recognize, you know what? If I expect him to be the be-all and end-all and the answer to all my problems, and I fill him up, like I place so many unrealistic expectations on him. Of course, I am setting him up to fail me. I am setting myself up to be disappointed. 
So if you are in a chronic loop of disappointment internally with yourself, feeling like a failure, this might be a sign that you are playing this game. I'm going to go through two more. Number six, you focus so much on your partner that you forget to take care of yourself. You focus so much on your partner or your kids. You think about them energetically. Your bandwidth gets sucked up because you are constantly ruminating on what are they doing? How are they going to respond? Are they okay? Right? And a lot of your conversation and relationship might be on checking in on them. Like, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? What did you do? And again, it's that overbearing mother, overbearing father, you know, needing to check in, control, or you might find that you're coaching them a lot of time instead of connecting with them. Remember, each relationship has a role. We each have assignments and roles. And, you know, obviously, if I have a relationship with my clients, my role is to coach them, right? But they signed up to be coached by me. When we enter into an intimate relationship, I didn't sign up, honey, for you to be my fixer. I didn't sign up for you to coach me. I didn't sign up for you to be my daddy, okay? I signed up for you to be my lover. I signed up for you to love me, to connect with me, to experience life with me, to call me when things are amazing in your life, to share new adventures together, to wrestle through things together, right? Not for one of us to be superior to the other, for us to walk side by side. That's another thing that happens in the savior complex is we have these superiority complex that says, you know what? I'm stronger. I'm more capable. I'm more experienced. I have more wisdom than him or her. So I'm up here and they're down there. We don't even realize we do this. We actually have this superiority status in our relationship where one person feels more worthy than the other. And it's interesting because it's the same root cause that is causing us to stay in this loop, which is trying to validate our worth (laughs) through the other person which is nuts, right? The person who is doing the saving is trying to validate their worth by saying, okay, I'm strong enough, capable enough, like I'm fixing things, I'm in control. And the other person is getting their validation through the person saving them. And it's just a totally dysfunctional pattern. (laughs) So this focus, this focus, incessant focus on the other person 24-7. Be careful because I've talked to even some men that have said, you know, I couldn't even function at work because I'd go to work and I'd be thinking about her the whole day. How is she doing now? What am I coming home to? How is she going to react to this, right? And when we work on it and we open up so much bandwidth because we give that person back control, right? We give the partner back control over their emotions. We let them be responsible to themselves, like for themselves. It opens up so much bandwidth for us to be able to produce and focus at work on a whole other level, right? On our other things going on in our life. I have seen this in parenting relationships where parents have gotten so enmeshed and focused on taking care of their children. This is common with women that they forget to take care of themselves. It's like a martyr, right? The savior complex is like the martyr, right? Oh, I'll sacrifice. I don't have time for anything because I'm always giving, giving, giving. And we're not giving from a full place. This is why I've worked with so many women throughout the years that are so resentful. In secret, behind closed doors, they're oozing resentment towards their husband, even towards their children, towards having to be a mother, even though they're terrified to leave that identity or expand on it because and discover what else is there because that's all that they know about themselves. 
Okay, I'm going to say this last one and you stay, you know, this this last one is a key one I want you to tune into because man, I did this on repeat, staying in toxic relationships, staying in bad relationships, dysfunctional, toxic relationship patterns or dynamics because of a sense of responsibility. So this is like the pure, I'm in it out of obligation. I'm in it out of obligation energy. Man, I will tell you that kind of energy oozes into relationships. The other person can feel that you're not there because you want to be there, because you desire to be there, but because you have to be there. And again, talk about zapping the polarity, right? So when we look at what does, like, what do power couples do instead, right? Like what, what we do the opposite, right? We attract people who are bringing the best of themselves to the relationship, who are taking ownership for their own emotions, who are doing the work, who have done the work within themselves to heal, to reconcile, to restore their own wounds, right? The saving comes from within. It's an inner journey between yourself and God. So we tend to attract power couples who've done their own journey will attract another person who was also recognize I'm not here. I don't need an external savior. I need to go within, right? And do the inner wrestling that can only be done between me and God. And then put myself there. There is only one, (laughs) right? Um, We no longer as power couples, we don't come to this relationship having to fix everything for the other person, but we can sit there and hold space and let our partner talk about what's coming up and challenges that they're facing. And we can ask questions and we can climb alongside with them, or we can just hold space. We can be the safe space for them while they're going through their process. And we can honor what they are doing, right? Honor their character in the process, right? We can celebrate them even in the struggle. And I got to say, I got to give my husband a shout out because Mark has done an amazing job of this as I was wrestling through some things um, in my life. And he was just watching me, you know, wrestle. And I know he was, he was wanting to fix it. I could feel that inner tension and he was just holding space and then asking me for permission. You know, would you like me to, to, to do something about this? Or, you know, how can I support you instead of, you know, just trying to fix it and basically overriding me. When you have a, uh, you operate as a power couple, you honor the other person's emotions. You reconcile, or you recognize, you know, you honor and you, you say, yes, I see that. We can empathize. We have compassion, true empathy that says, you know what? I know what that feels like. I know that that sucks. I know that that's uncomfortable. And it's also okay. It's part of the human experience and we can work it out. Like you, you be there and you don't make those emotions wrong, but you, you honor them all. And this is where we begin to ask powerful questions that can also support the other person by asking them questions that will redirect some of those emotions, you know, help them transform them. You know, those, those feelings of anger can become emotions of empowerment and, and taking action. But it's, it's a very delicate, beautiful process how we do this. As power couples, we know there are many resources available to help. We are always, you know, I, one of the things I say is I have everything I need supplied all the time in perfect order. Like divine provision is a real thing. When my husband is struggling with something and resources, I am not even attempting to say like, oh my gosh, how are we going to solve it? How are we going to fix it? You know, 
or I don't even attempt to be the God or the resource tool. I'm like, all right, the resources are all around us. Let's tune in and open ourselves up to receive, right? Like let's really be open to receiving the resources that are required for this season, right? I don't think I'm the only one. Oh my gosh, that has liberated me so much. And and this also, you know, opens up the door to recognize that we get to honor the struggle. We don't have to feel like a failure because we know it's not all on us, right? Practice, we're in the practice. So this feeling of constantly having to be, you know, succeeding at everything, that goes away. I believe as a power couple, we come to the relationship realizing we're in the practice, right? We're practicing communication right now. We're practicing patience. We're practicing you know, showing up for each other. Sometimes it it goes well. Sometimes it's an, you know, it's like, okay, that sucked. That didn't go the way we wanted. We're practicing keeping the energy clean. We're practicing, you know, what it's like to lead together in business. And, you know, sometimes he takes the lead and it's like, we're practicing the dance, right? Instead of judging the dance and having to have everything right all the time, having to have the trips perfect or else it sucks and it's a failure. Like we can redirect, we can get back in the dance when we stumble or step on each other's feet, right? We can laugh about it. And we don't focus on the other person solely. We focus on taking care of our inner man, our inner woman, first so that we can show up from a healthy place in the relationship. This is one of the things Mark and I have committed to is like, it is my responsibility. I have a responsibility to the relationship and to him to bring the best of me to the relationship. So if I'm waking up and I'm off and I, you know, we had a conversation the other day. I was like, man, I haven't meditated. I haven't prayed in days. I haven't, I've just been going, 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 going. I was in a lot of activity and I could just feel myself getting reactive and a little bit triggered. And I was like, okay, it's my responsibility to pull my energy back and to say, okay, I'm going to take this time and space. I'm going to invest it to get myself grounded again, to get centered so that I can come back, you know, and uh, I love that he is responsible to managing his energy, right? It, whether that's getting our morning workout in or, you know, taking the time to pray. Or right now I'm, on a, I'm in Colorado with my, my oldest and we're on a one-on-one trip, right? Like, um, like uh, just a one-on-one trip to nourish our relationship. And we honor the fact that we don't just focus on the other person and giving, 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 but we come and we do the things and we infuse our life with the things that fill our spirit, renew our mind, renew our body and strengthen us so that we come, we're ready to give to the relationship, not just to take, right? And this is really what I, what I, when I talk about being in service to each other and being really like, I'm here for him. Yes. And he's here for me and we're here for each other. But we're not here just to give, 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 and pour from an empty cup. So this is a really big switch. And one of the things we see in relationships where there is this dysfunctional dynamic, you guys know that there's a lot of resentment about the other person working out or doing things that give them joy. And you know, I saw this in my entrepreneurial journey for a long time, for years, when I would go to events, live events, or invest in my masterminds, or you know, go on a girls' weekend, or even training for a triathlon. When I was training, there was so much resentment about me taking the time to work on myself to do something that lit me up, and the other person was feeling like, "Oh, poor me, I'm just over here waiting for you to come back," right? And so there was all this guilt around investing in in self care, in nourishing ourselves. 
So like, this is, you know, we know what this is like. I don't have time to work out or we work out. We feel guilty about it. Like I haven't taken a trip by myself or just a one-on-one trip with a girlfriend or guy friend in years or right. Like we just constantly feel guilty or are pointing fingers at each other instead of saying, yes, please, please go take care of yourself. Like nourish yourself so you can come here strong and able. And of course there are times where we're going through moments where we have to rely on each other's strengths. So with everything, there is wisdom. With everything, there is discernment. And I'm just going to wrap it up here. I'm going to turn this into a two-part series because I have a lot to say on this subject. But I'm going to wrap it up here by saying, you know, we stay, in st- when you are operating from a power powerful place as a couple, you're not staying in a relationship because of obligation energy. You're not staying there, resenting the other person, feeling responsible to save them and to fix their life. One of the questions I get asked all the time when couples come to a lot, you know, a lot of people come to me because they're like, Christine, should I stay or should I go? I'm ready to jump ship. I want out. I do not like this relationship. It's not working. And I'll say, you know what? It, the new always requires a death of the old. So I always say, yes, you're going to kill the old relationship. The old relationship has to die as you knew it. Does it mean you have to end it with that person? I don't know, right? But what we get to get clear on is that dynamic of I'm here out of obligation. I'm here because I have to be, even though I don't truly want to be. I'm here because we're here to validate each other. That gets to end immediately because coming to a relationship from a powerful place says, I'm here for you know, I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because I'm called to be here. I'm here because I know that I have something to give and you have something to give. I know that I am here because we're brought together to work through things and to create something bigger than us. And we begin to shift the reason why we are in the relationship. And that begins to inject us with new fuel, new eyes, new ears, new conversations. Because as long as we're in those relationships out of guilt and out of obligation, I guarantee those relationships are going to be destructive, energetically draining, but they become life-giving when we get excited again and make a conscious decision because it is a decision to shift and decide why I'm choosing to stay or not. And again, it's a difference if we're married or not, but if we're dating someone and like, look, and this is the pattern where we just keep dating people over and over again, and we're attracting people, I would really invite you to tune in and go, why am I staying in this dynamic, in this relationship, right? Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to be honest and say, this is no longer the game I'm going to play. This is no longer the dynamic I'm interested in engaging in. This is no longer how I'm being called to utilize my energy. I'm here for something more. And I want to, yes, I would love to invite you into that journey with me. We can begin to show up differently. But honestly, if you're not married and you're in a relationship that is constantly like you have another person that's not willing, not wanting, not, you know, ready to, to, to say, yes, I'm ready to make a conscious decision to move into a new space, I would invite you to ask, what is the reason you are still there, right? So in the next episode, I'm going to dive, unpack a little bit more of why on earth do we fall into these patterns, what we're getting from it, and what is actually, what is it that we're creating and how to give the power back, right? How to get the power back, the power dynamic, because we're talking about power couples. How do we get that power dynamic back so that we are both coming from an empowered, strengthened, confident place rather than 
one person holding all the power and the other person feeling disempowered. So next uh, episode, I'm going to jump into how to, yeah, basically um, come into an empowered place together as a couple. So I want to do this as a two-part series. I think it's a really powerful conversation. I know I'm saying that word a lot because um, it's, it's beautiful, but I will say this, you guys, you know, we are called to be here for each other. There is a vast difference between supporting someone versus doing all the work for someone, robbing them of their strength versus creating a space for them to discover their strength. We can carry, you know, we can, we can care about people and there's a difference between caring for someone and carrying all the load. I remember one of my coaches once told me when I was struggling this with my clients, I had a savior complex with my clients and she challenged me. She said, you're, are you doing all the energetic lifting for them? Are you doing all the energetic and spiritual lifting for them? And that moment she said that to me, like, bam, it hit me between the eyeballs. And it was like an arrow to my heart because I knew I am not equipping them. I am doing the work for them. And that moment was a defining moment for me where I decided I am not their savior. There is someone for that already, right? I am here as a guide. I'm here to hold space, have a very specific role, and I'm going to fully step into my, that role. And it required a lot of humility and reorganizing internally. And it has been the most expansive life-giving decision I have made to, to make this shift across the board. So um, my loves, I will leave you with that. Today, the question is, are we operating as a true power couple? You know, where am I playing the savior in my intimate relationships, maybe in my parenting, even at work, right? Where am I playing the savior? What if I decided to stop playing that role and instead chose to become a powerful co-creator and a powerful collaborator in this relationship? All right. Thank you for joining me today. You guys, I just wanted to let you know, I have recently recorded a training called the five faces of the wounded feminine. It is a beautiful, um, in-depth training on, you know, what are the different ways that the feminine shows up in her business at work, in her most intimate relationship when she's operating from the feminine wounds versus the integrated place. It's a great eye-opening experience to help us realize maybe where we're not, you know, things that we didn't realize about ourselves where we weren't showing up and how to hold space um, so that we can move into a more integrated um, role. So if you guys want to check that out, that is in the show notes. And of course, we are opening up registration for the initiation, our coaching and mentoring journey. It's a journey from head to heart. If you're ready to unlock extraordinary love in your life, this is for you. Make sure you follow the link in the show notes. You will complete the readiness factor assessment. And there is an opportunity there to book a discovery call. So until next time, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me in this conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation, please take a minute and drop a five-star review or share this episode with someone else. It truly does help immensely in spreading the message. I appreciate you. I thank you for being here. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. 
And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.